now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. Some crisp nights over the weekend. It has been a bit fresh. Yeah, probably good for the garden. Very fresh in the morning. It certainly has been. I think uh, the plants can take a little rest now that it's getting a bit cooler. Exactly right. So, a bit of frost though is not good for them, though. No, but that's going to come later on in the year, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Yes. We can talk about that in May. <laughs> what do you got for us today, though, Scott? I thought we'd talk about dragon trees first up. Uh, there's a new super ladybird that apparently has uh, been blown in on the wind and sweet peas. Right, sweet peas. Yeah, it's crisp enough now to plant them, I reckon. Excellent. Now, Scott, you mentioned that now's the best time to start planting sweet peas. Yes. Uh, the traditional time is to plant them or plant the seed on St. Patrick's Day, which was back sometime earlier in March. Two weeks ago? Maybe yeah. Two and, and a half weeks? I don't think we celebrated it as much as we normally would. Uh, no, it wasn't quite. Yeah, it was a bit quite. Maybe it didn't fall on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday. Or I think it was like on a Sunday. Sunday, okay, maybe that's <laughs> the reason. Uh, and look, typically uh, that's when you uh, plant your sweet peas uh, for St Pat's Day and get yep. them up and running then. But look, I didn't really talk about it back then because A, I didn't realise it was St Pat's Day at the time and B, it was still a little bit humid to plant your sweet peas yep. then and they do not like hu- humidity at all. But now we've got those uh, crisp, cool nights. and uh, Fresh evenings. Fresh evenings and it's uh, temperatures dropped a little bit. Uh, I thought it might be time to talk about sweet peas because they are a fantastic plant to have in the garden. Very versatile. Uh, You can get short ones, you can get tall ones, but the main and most important thing about them is just the smell that they uh, put throughout the garden. They're absolutely magnificent. Right, they put out a smell. Oh, they're very, very fragrant flowers and you get a profusion of them. You get quite a lot of flowers on, uh, on the vines. And they're actually very good for picking and taking inside as well. So a really easy plant to look after. Look, the old-fashioned ones are calicate. It's a climbing one, so you will need some sort of trellis or fence uh, to put that on uh, to let it go. Bijou's a shorter-growing one. There's also now one called Pixie Princess, which is uh, only about 22 centimetres or so tall, so it's only about a foot tall, I guess. Yep. About a foget. I'd say I, so. I think so, yeah. So it, it's we'll quite... get the measuring out tape later. <laughs> we'll do that. So, look, it's, it's a really nice little one to have as well. You need to plant them in the full sun. Uh, look, the other thing about them is they like some alkaline soil. So uh, sprinkling a bit of lime uh, in the soil is a good thing to do. And then maybe just some poultry manure or, uh, you know, some, something like uh, flourishes and all-round fertiliser as well for them. Uh, look, they do get powdery mildew. That's why I was saying don't plant them. Uh, you know, in the human months, but yeah. now it's started to, that humidity is going away. Uh, you have to still be careful though, always uh, keep some sort of fungicide at hand uh, with your sweet peas, but yeah, look, a really easy plant to grow. Uh, good for the kids as well. Good for the kids? Yeah, stick them in the ground and they'll just grow without them having to think about them. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah just a very, very easy thing to do, mate. You could have some, you could colour up your yard as well. With some sweet pea. Apart from your solitary uh, tomato plant that keeps on trying to grow up in the lawn every Can year. Can I then be referred to as Greg Sweet Pea, Richard? Oh, you've always been a sweet pea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that nickname. <laughs> Well, it's the Gardening Talkback on 2 and URFM. <laughs> if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Cole from Rutherford, and he's got a question about the lemon tree. Cole, how can we help you, mate? Yes, uh, he's got that wasp in it. Oh, I've got the first, it. first time I've ever known that Eureka lemon to have that in it. Yeah. But 
does it come from another tree or not? Yeah, look at the the gall wasp. Is that the one we're talking about? It leaves like a little lump in the branches yeah, of the trees. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So look, it, it's just a wasp that flies around. It uh, it lays its eggs. The uh, the little weevils actually then um, hatch out, and they that's where you see them coming out. You see those holes coming back out through the little uh, through the little lump on your uh, tree. Uh, look, it's, there's not much you can do about it, mate. Uh, the best thing to do, though, is if you're seeing those lumps on your tree, try and prune them out as best as you can. Now, that obviously isn't going to work if, uh, you know, you've only got a small tree and they're down low. Um, but, look, yeah, that, that is the best way to do it. Prune out those affected branches and uh, wrap them up in plastic and stick them in the garbage bin to get rid of them that way. Uh, certainly don't look at them and think that everything's going to be all right because if you uh, just let them hatch, they get worse and worse in the area and they'll just keep on affecting your tree and uh, making stunted growth on it because it just affects the, 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 the cambium layer the, the, uh, where the sap's running up through the plant and eventually will stunt the growth of that limb that it's on. Done that. There's an orange tree here that's got it in it. Yeah. The landlord won't get rid of it. Yeah. So look, mate, that's the only thing you can do is just try and prune it out. There's uh, look no really uh, effective spraying regime or anything to do. It's it's just that pruning. Once you see it in there, get rid of it as quick as possible. Right on, mate. Thank you. Okay. Good on you, Cole. Sorry about the bad news there, mate. Yeah, right up. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Bye-bye. We've got Kerry from Gateshead. We've got a problem with their cherry tree. Go, okay, Kerry. How can we help you? Good mate. Good day. Listen, buddy, I've got a young cherry tree uh, in the second year, fruited for the first time this year. I got six massive cherries off it, which was fantastic. Oh, very good, very good. Where, where are you at, mate? At Gateshead. Okay, now keep, you've done very well. Keep telling the story. Uh, what I want to know, mate, it's, it's just started to uh, have the leaves fall off. Can I remove it now to another place or wait till it's completely bare? Uh, you look, you can probably start to move it now. Ground's nice and wet. It's not too, uh, you know, big a tree, as long as you take out a fair lump of the dirt with you. Uh, look, obviously, it is best to wait till your uh, deciduous trees are, you know, uh, fully dormant. But, uh, look, I think you'll be safe enough to move it now, mate. It's only about a metre high. Yeah, no, no, you'll be, you'll be fine with that. Uh, look, well, you've done, I've got to say, compliments to you, Kerry. You've done very well actually getting cherries on a plant here in Newcastle. Uh, because typically you need the chill, you know, they need to be west of the ranges or, you know, up around Cessnock, you know, in those cold sort of areas, uh, you know, to try and get the actual cherries um, fruiting. Were they nice and sweet for you? Oh, they, they were beautiful. Big, oh. Those big red ones. So when I bought it, I bought it from a nursery up in uh, Coffs Harbour, actually. I okay. said it was uh, a, new, a new strain suitable for this area. Yeah. So yeah. I said, we had to try, put it in, that... Uh, nothing for the first 12 months and last year flowered like anything and lo and behold we got six beautiful cherries. Oh, very good yeah because I, I would uh, never recommend someone trying to uh, you look, grow it as a tree here in Newcastle but uh, you know trying to actually get some fruit off it and uh, having them as being sweet that's that's another thing but uh, look mate you've done very very well. I was really happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah look you feel free to move it now I think you'll be right at this point in time. Good on you mate thanks for your Okay help. you have a nice afternoon Kerry. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks, Kerry. We've got Beverly now from Belmont South, and she thinks something is eating her pumpkins. Oh, Beverly, what do you think they could be? Um, my son thinks it's a rabbit. <laughs> okay, but uh, Bugs, Bugs is having a feed, is he? Yeah, um, it's sort of eating one rabbit every two, one, <laughs> sorry, pumpkin every two days. That's, that's a, that's so a... it's having a good feed. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything that deters rabbits. 
Uh, yes, there there is uh, a uh, a product out there that you can get. So, like there's scent off. There's different products like that. You have to be really uh, persistent about using them, though, and you actually water them in the around the area. Uh, and uh, but again, if it rains, then it sort of washes it away. And okay. yeah, it might be the best thing to do is because your pumpkin's not going to move too far, which is the great thing about it. Um, unless it's Halloween, uh, is to um, you know try and actually create some sort of uh, little barrier around it, or you know just to to keep those rabbits away from them. How many have you got? How many pumpkins mm. have you got? Um, well, it, I picked them all at the weekend, so I picked twelve off. Yeah. Um, I've got two in another spot, which at the minute I don't think it's found. Um, but I, I don't think there's any. In the in the pumpkin patch at the minute, right? Not, okay, not sort of um, big enough to eat. Yeah, oh, I was wondering, you know, um, do the rabbit probably can't climb very well either? So you could put the you could make some sort of little tripod or something up and put the pumpkin up on top of that to keep it away from there. And the other animal, it could be a possums as well. Yeah, well, I don't. I've never heard of sort of possums around this. Park, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, my son said he saw a rabbit. Uh, okay. In the in the yard, so they I know they've got them over at the golf club, which is over the road. Okay, yes, yeah, they so, they, they will travel. They do hop, oh, hop along. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's travelling across the highway, so it's a wonder it's got here. Yes, uh, yeah. The, but, that's that's mm. that's true. Greg was looking at me very strangely then when I was asking do rabbits climb. I, I don't think they do. I climb. didn't think they did. I don't think they do. So you they could can jump though. They can jump, but you could raise it up on like a little, you know, step or a little tripod or something, your pumpkins, just to try and keep them up off the ground and uh, keep the rabbits away from them that way. Um, yeah, they're sort of quite heavy when they've got pumpkins on, yeah. so I'm not sure about that. Okay, okay. I'll give the uh, scent off thing a go. Yeah, okay, that, that's probably the best way to try uh, and be persistent with it. All right, thanks a lot. Okay, thanks, Beverly. Thank Bye-bye. you, Bye. Bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. We've got Sandra from Beresfield. She's got a question about the rose. Hey, Sandra, how can we help you? Um, Scott, I was wondering about when I can prune a rose back. Yes. And I'm um, selling my house and I want to take a rose. It's in the front garden. I want to take it with me. Mm-hmm. It's fairly high. It's about The, the great thing is you've chosen to sell your house. Is it up for sale? Have you actually sold it? No, no, no. It's, a, it's oh. up open houses this week, coming okay. I mean, weekend. Well, we can't advertise exactly where it is, but... Uh, <laughs> no. But, uh, no. look, uh, that's, that, that's great because you're coming into the time of year now when your roses are going to become dormant. They're going to start to lose their leaves and become dormant, and you can very successfully dig them out of the ground. Uh, so you'll be able to do that. Give it a good hard prune back, you know, probably back to, uh, I don't know, sort of half a metre or so if you want to. Um, get yourself a, a decent... What's half a metre? I'm back in the old... <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about we say, you know, about two foot, a little bit less than two foot? 
Righto, okay. Yep, so you can cut it, cut it right back, get a nice decent-sized pot and some potting mix, and then you can mm-hmm. dig that out of the ground. Of course, wait as long as you can. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're best mm-hmm. to wait, you know, until you know you've sold your house and, you know... Sold my house and it's, yeah, ready to move. Yeah, yeah, it might be in the middle of winter by about then, if if, um, if you're lucky yeah. with your rose. And, uh, and then you can repot it in there, just water it as normal, and you'll find you will be able to plant it wherever you're going or keep it uh, keep it in a pot for as long as you like. Thank you very much. Not right. A pro- not a problem. Sounds good. And good luck with the sale of your house as well. Thank you, Dale. Right, I love. Okay, Sandra. Bye. Have a nice afternoon. We've got Helen from Wall's End, and she's got a question about a daffodil bulb. Afternoon, Helen. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, Scott. Yeah, my neighbour recently gave me some daffodil bulbs, and I'd like to know when to put them in and what the procedure is and, yeah, just a general idea. Yeah, look, they're, they're really easy to grow. It's just a little bit early to put them in at the moment. I'd be waiting oh, probably a couple of months or so. And that's when oh, you, really? Yeah, that's when you get them in the soil. Um, but, look, they're very, very easy to grow. Uh, you can almost grow them in water inside the house if you want to. You, know, you see people with those funny jars. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah so, like hyacinths. Yes, that's correct. So, look, very easy to, to grow. The, the best thing to do at the moment is just store them in a nice dry space. Uh, yep. You know, like look, some people keep them in paper bags. Uh, you could keep oh, them I know in... at the moment. And they reckon you can put them in a crisper. Yes, you can do that in the crisper as well. But that's to try and trick them that it's getting a little bit colder. Okay. Yeah, so it's probably not quite time to do that yet. Um, you know, I'd still be waiting a month or so before you did that. Uh, so so about d- May, June? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, just keep them nice and dry until then. Uh, you can keep just. I, I sometimes I keep them in an old plastic pot, you know, without the soil in there because uh, yep. they, they still breathe in there quite nicely. Uh, yep. Yeah, or otherwise, you know, so, uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, I used to be able to go to a kitchenware shop and get like those wire sort of, uh, you know, fruit baskets sort of thing, and that's a good place to keep, a, 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 you know, some bulbs as well because they breathe very well in there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So if you okay. can, if you can find something like that, that would uh, work a treat. Uh, but again, yeah, look, just into the soil, uh, usually, uh, you know, about the depth of the bulb in under the soil. And then, uh, well, I don't. Was it, so is it sort of shallow? Or? Yeah, so fairly shallow. So you probably measure about the depth of the bulb and then put it, you know, so the top of the bulb's in about that deep and okay. and always put the root system to the bottom. Uh, sure. Don't sort of turn it upside down. It just gets a little bit confused, a little bit topsy-turvy then. And, yeah. uh, look, just uh, water as normal. Uh, you'll find it'll sprout uh, very easily for you and then just use an all-round uh, fertiliser, liquid fertiliser to get it growing nice and quick and flowering for you. But you really won't have any trouble with daffodils there. That's why they're one of the most uh, popular flowers in the world. You can put them in pots as well, can't you, Scott? Yeah, you certainly can. Believe. Yeah, you can certainly do that. People put them in the ground uh, yeah. most usually. Uh, then they can, you know, they'll spread out and you get a nice daffodil patch. But you can certainly put them in pots and you can find them again after they've died down at the end of the season and uh, dig them back out and uh, store them, uh, you know, in the appropriate way throughout the year. Thank you for your help. Not a problem at all. Thank you for the uh, call, thanks, Helen. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Helen. We've got Les now from Windella. He's got a question about the gum tree. Yeah, it's a big, a big plant to talk about. Les, how can we help you? <laughs> uh, yes, it's um, bleeding. Oh, from a okay. A number of spots on the you know, down the bark. Yes, okay. Uh, so I 
I assume that's a borer or something like yeah, that. It, it sounds like you've got a borer in there. Uh, look, the best thing to do when you've got that sort of situation is to get, uh, you know, a qualified arborist out to have a look at a large plant like that, uh, and they'll be able to make an assessment to, as to what to do to it. Uh, but look, they are a pretty robust tree, as, as we all know, um, and uh, they can get borers in them and still live for quite some time. I guess the problem with them is, though, that uh, if they start getting those borers up into the upper limbs, uh, you know, and you get a strong wind, that's when uh, gum trees are known to, uh, you know, drop their limbs um, mm. onto the ground, hopefully in not standing underneath there at the time and so that's probably why it's best to get an arborist out to have a have a look at that give it an inspection and uh, just give you some advice as to you know what uh, you know state it's in uh, you know what uh, how far the borers might have gone through the plant and how dangerous it might be okay so the, is there anything you can do for look not one? not with a large tree like that uh, very difficult to uh, you know sort of look after them the the best the arborist might be able to do if it's up in the upper limbs uh, is to get up there and, and give it a prune back to try and prune it out and get some fresh growth. But then, yeah, no, it's in the trunk itself. Oh, um, okay. The highest one is oh, about oh, just under two meters off the ground. Yeah, and look, is and it sort of down the tree? Is it close to the house, mate? Or um, nah. no? Okay, well, look, it might be one of those things where you just leave it be yeah. and. Uh, let nature take its course as long as it's not going to drop a you know a huge branch on top of your house in the middle of a storm um, no i can't do that yeah. all it can do is if it weakens the, the tree it's grown quite healthily at the moment yeah, you know yeah. it's still putting putting out new shoots and growing up and that but uh yeah it looks pretty horrible that's all yeah look um, on uh, yeah i just think let nature take its course in that case if it's not going to you know pose any danger to you no, it's not. It's a nice tree, and I'd like it to stay there and keep yeah. going. It's probably uh, close to ten years old. Okay, okay. So it's not really that old for for a gum tree, mm. I guess. So, you know, they, they how no. tall how tall is it now, mate? Oh, it's five metres, probably. Okay, maybe okay. a bit more. Yeah, so she's still almost a youngster, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I'd, I'd just leave it be. Um, you know, sometimes these insects can, you know, take over. Sometimes they can, uh, you know, actually be, you know, driven out eventually by the tree. Um, and, uh, you know, all's well, and the plant just goes on to leave, uh, you know, lead a sort of a normal life. But uh, as long as it's not posing any danger, I'd probably leave it be in that case. Okay. I was just okay. hoping I could uh, do something to... Reduce that. Yeah, there's I've no... been walking around or other gum trees the same mm -hmm. sort, whatever it is, um, in a subdivision down the way, and there's three or four down there. Some of them are really good. They're all the same sort of gum trees, yes. and there's three or four that are pretty bad with this. Yeah, and, and look, borers will attack a plant that, uh, you know, is weakened or, you know, upset about mm. something in its world. Uh, so the best well, thing to do is, yeah, try and keep it watered and... and uh, yeah, it's had a rough trot uh, with the drought yes. through yeah. uh, for the last couple of years, but it still kept growing quite happily yeah. until this happened. And it's only this year that that's come up the last couple of months yeah okay so look the other thing you can do if you can identify those holes um, but the trouble is often there's you know a lot of that the gum sap coming out of there uh, yeah. and i was going to suggest getting some poison and trying to inject it into some of those holes if they're you know at, at a manageable yeah. level for you but yeah well, there's probably at least half a dozen holes that yeah. i could find or, or locations where the sap is actually coming out from yeah. It's crystallised at the moment. Yes, but, uh, and that's going to be the problem, trying to actually get your poison back down in that hole and into the sap stream of the plant because of the crystallisation of that, that, that gum. Yeah. Could, uh, could I drill into it? 
Uh, look, you can, but uh, most people rec- don't recommend doing that anymore. It's sort of an older thing to do. Uh, and you don't know that you're necessarily, um, you know, actually hitting, you know, where the insect, mm. insect yeah, you could is. Miss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run off. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess. Mm. Okay, but if you can find some clear holes, then uh, you know some boral weevils do, and other plants do leave sort of clear holes. You just see their sawdust coming out, and you can scrape that away, and then get some uh, poison down into those holes. Uh, mm. But uh, with a gum tree, I know it's a little bit harder just because of the nature of the sap that comes out. Mm. Okay. Okay, sorry about the uh, not-so-good news, but, uh, yeah, look, yeah, just let me... Have you got time for, for one other? Absolutely, mate, go for it. Yeah, I've got some hakeas. Yes. They're probably, oh, three, four metres high. Yeah. Been going really good. There's uh, four in a row, and they've had a hard time the last two years during summer with the drought, but I've kept some water up to them, mm-hmm. and they're all going fine until about a week ago. One of them, all the... Leaves have just died on it. Okay, look, I'd go and have a closer inspection of it. Uh, look, hakeas do have a, a lifespan, um, I guess probably about eight eight years or so, like most grevilleas. I'd go and have a, a look at it. Yeah. And uh, for something to be dying so quickly like that, it could be, I was, you know, a borer insect as well. Uh, so it might be worth going okay. and having a closer look in around the branches, around where the branches intersect. And seeing mm-hmm. if you get that frass, you know that um, sawdusty stuff that uh, comes out the back of the of the borer weevil, and gets thrown out there. And again, if you can find those, then you can use some poison on that to try and keep it going. Okay. Okay, mate. So yeah, yeah you might need to put yeah, on the sure. old the Sherlock Holmes uh, outfit there and with a magnifying <laughs> glass and have a quick squiz and see what you can find. Okay, there is a bear patch on it. I see one part of it. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably about a metre off the ground. Yeah, well, look... But I, I hadn't noticed before. So th- that bare patch is probably the place, uh, you know, where the, where the borers yeah. are going to be prevalent, if that's what it is. You're quite right. It has got borers in, in there. I hadn't located them before. Ah, OK. It's good. It's, it's not, g- not putting sap out like the gum tree does. It's just the bark has sort of dropped away. Ah, OK. Well, it's good to be proven right in real time. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> d- done very well. Righto, well... Yeah, uh, there's a, on, on one of the leaves, there's a, a little... Oh, I don't know what you call it, but it's sort of like the bark that's gone all funny with um, cobwebs sort of in it. Uh, OK, so that, that could be the, the where, or a, a cocoon of some sort of uh, little... Yeah. yeah. So, look, I would be getting some um, malathon and injecting down into the holes there and uh, just generally giving that plant a little bit of a spray to see if you can't get it back. Okay, Liz. Okay. All right. Thanks okay. very much. Appreciate the call, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Got Gary on the line from Stroud, and he's got a question about silky oaks. Hi, Gary. How can we help you, mate? Oh, not too bad, Scott, and, and sweet tea. Um, <laughs> Someone had to come out. Very good on you. Good on you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the song, the Sugar Shack song. <laughs> That'd be something sweet tea would play. Um, I've got some... Unfortunately, lost all of my trees in in my on my property, um, and um, due to poisoning and a few things like that. But you know, um, so we've ended up with no trees. And I've got some silky oaks that have self-sown themselves. No thanks to Mother Nature. Yes. And um, they've kind of grown to a certain height. They look healthy enough, but um, they seem to have stopped going up. Now I don't know whether it's all the dry weather we've had or 
Robert, something I was wondering if there's anything we can do to give them a bit of a helping hand or give them a bit of a boost to go further. Yeah, look, the, with silky oaks, there's probably not too much you want to do to them. I reckon it's going to be the dry weather because they are a plant that likes a bit of a drink. Uh, yeah. But the great thing about them is they're very quick growing, so they are going to provide you with some protection and shade. Uh, you know, once we get hopefully this rain we've had, uh, you know, might spur them on a little bit. But it is getting yeah. colder, so that's that's the downside to it. But yeah, look, a, a really quick um, growing plant, very easy to look after, and will get very tall for you, mate. How tall did you need them to get? Well, the, the one next door, obviously where they're um, saying themselves from, it's probably twenty odd meters high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the two big trees that I unfortunately had to cut down in the yard because they died, they were a good 20-odd metres high too, and now we've got nothing left. But I managed to cut them down without getting on YouTube or anything like that. <laughs> um, yep, we... And um, now we've got nothing left, but these guys have just popped up out um, in quite um, nice spots around where they will shade the house when they get a bit bigger and things like that. So yep. we're just wanting to try and keep them, keep them there. Yeah, no, that, that's a good thing. Look, the only other thing about silky oak is you know they do drop, uh, you know, a fair few leaves as well. Yeah, um, yeah. They're not, uh, look, they're not deciduous. They're not even semi-deciduous. They just drop leaves a, a bit. Yeah, right. Um, so that's something to be mindful of. You probably don't want them, you know, in your gutters and things like that because I'll certainly clog up those. But if they're a, a decent uh, decent distance from the house um, and you obviously oh. you can look over your neighbour's yard and see how big theirs are growing, well, yeah, go for it. Uh, and hopefully this rain will uh, get them up and running for you. So, so no, no, no need to feed them right now or anything you can think of or just, just uh, keep look, the water up to them? Yeah, I'll just keep the water up to them. Uh, look, the most you might toss is a little bit of cow manure around them, but uh, generally once, you know, a plant can look after themselves, especially silky oaks, they're you know pretty resilient plant. Okay. Okay. Not a okay. Thank Th you. Thanks for that, Bye, Gary. Sweet pea. See, you. <laughs> See you, Gary. Thank you. The name's going to take off. I'm telling you. Oh, it's got wings. This one. That's <laughs> at the end of the runway. Before Ready got, for takeoff. We've got Diane on the line now from Wall's End, and she's got a question about Santa Rosa plum. Diane, how can we help you? Um, I've got. A, I bought a Santa Rosa plum um, about uh, four, four and a half years ago, yeah. and I've put it in the ground, and it's grown really well. It's flowered once, but I've got no fruit. Um, at all. It's about three metres high. It looks very healthy. Um, I had sort of trimmed it back at the top a bit because I didn't want to get it too high. Yes. But I just want plums. <laughs> and there's none. <laughs> so, w with a lot of plum trees, you know, sort of uh, stone fruit trees, you do need to have a pollinator, which is another type of plum, or you can actually have Santa Roses as well. Uh, and so for the bees to go backwards and forwards to actually pollinate uh, the plant with. Um, so I would do some investigations about which is the pollinator for Santa Rosa plum and uh, try and get one of those uh, and put it somewhere in your garden as well so that the bees can actually go around and pollinate it. The other thing to do is once a plant's a certain height, uh, to encourage sort of new and fruiting growth on it, you can give them a light prune back uh, in the middle of the year when they're deciduous. And uh, that will actually promote uh, some flowering uh, material on the new growth as it comes out. So, look, I'd do the two things. I'd make some investigations uh, down at your local garden centre. Uh, just ask about uh, what the uh, the uh, uh, the pollinator is for the Santa Rosa plum and uh, go from there. You might have to buy another, yeah. an, another plum. Well, I, I was told that the Santa Rosa is self-pollinating. Yeah, um, and look, there's a lot of plant, um, you know, they do make those claims about them, but I always find that, uh, you know, stone fruits will 
pollinate better if there is something, you know, another plum in the yard uh, to, to uh, help the bees, uh, you know, do their job. Oh, okay, so I've got a fussy plum. It's it not could, satisfied. It could, yeah. it could be that. Look, the, the other thing as well, uh, make sure you're fertilising, uh, use some sulphate of potash, yes. yeah, to try and get the, yes. the fruiting and flowering. I do all that. It looks very healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's near to... Um, uh, lemon trees, you're quite yes. healthy, and I thought, okay. I yeah. just want some nice red fruit hanging from there. That's yeah, all. and look, they do have that beautiful red flesh inside them, don't they? And it's not perfectly yeah. sweet. It's sort of slightly uh, slightly bitter when you bite into them, but they're very nice. But, uh, yeah, look, I'd, I'd gra- uh, get another plum tree, okay. uh, maybe Santa Rosa, and just see if you can't sort of kickstart the pollinating uh, process. With oh, that. okay. Okay. Oh, well, this was a Bunnings special on the clearance. Uh, <laughs> I saved it, so that's probably why. Okay. Thank okay. you, Scott. Okay. Thanks bye. for that, Diane. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. And we've got Margaret now from Summerland Point, and she's got a question about Lamberta Formosa. Yes, Margaret. How can we help you? Oh, hello, Scott. Uh, look, uh, we need to prune it or cut it back. It's taking over our driveway, and as you know, they're a fairly um, sharp um, branch. Um, how far can I cut it back? Yes, they, they are a, a fairly sort of sharp little plant. Um, now, look, the thing with them, though, is that they're, you know, the, they're sort of a relation to the uh, protea family and uh, our grevilleas here in Australia. Yeah. Um, so you just have to be careful you're not over pruning them. Otherwise, you get sort of a funny stunted shape coming back out of them. Uh, so when you're going to prune them, just probably about a third of the plant, just a sort of a gentle shave almost around the plant. And, oh, okay. And more often, uh, you know, in the soft... It's better to prune, uh, you know, grevilleas and proteas and those type of plants a little bit more often than wait and do a very hard prune because then you get a sort of a stunted growth coming back out of them. All right, then. Okay. That's fabulous. Thank That's you right. very much. Not indeed. a problem at all, but they are a cute little plant. Oh, it's fabulous. Yes. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thanks for that, Margaret. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks for that, Margaret. Scott Sharp, we're out of time for another week. Oh, it goes so quickly. Flies by. Our hour together has just gone like that. Especially with sweet pea in sweet control pea. things now. I know, it's, it's, got, it's grown legs, that one. <laughs> Scott Sharp, I'll catch you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>